Thank you, Sharon. Praise team. We appreciate it very much. That reminds me of a verse that dad would often sign when he played baseball. He would sign a baseball or whatever, and the verse would be John 1, 12. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. And that's what it's all about. You know, my, my dad played baseball for the Yankees back from 55 to 66. He was playing in New York City at the age of 19. What that implied, he was so young, is that if he had children, they would be young as well. Uh, when, when he won the World Series MVP in 1960, I was two years old. Don't remember it very well. <clears throat> and I was eight when he retired. And so when I would go to the games, my focus was on popcorn and Cracker Jacks and hot dogs and Cokes and things like that. I did watch the game some, uh, but I don't know that I appreciated it as much as some of the fans uh, that were really into it. Uh, that, when, when I look at the highlights, and we're going to show a highlight film in just a second. When I look at the highlights, uh, I don't remember a lot of these taking place then, but I've seen the highlight film a few times, so I do, uh, do re recall what has taken place. So we're going to go ahead and show the highlight film at this time. This man is still the only man ever to be the World Series MVP as a member of the losing team. He hit 367 in the 1960 World Series. He had 11 hits and 12 RBIs. The Yankees second baseman, Bobby Richardson. Bottom of the first, and the bases are loaded with Yankees. One out, and the count on Richardson is three and two. Bobby smashes a hard drive to left field, and slowly goes back, 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 but he doesn't have a chance. It's a grand slam home run. Scoring Scowlin, McDougal, and Howard ahead of him. And the New Yorkers lead six to nothing. inning the bases are again jammed as Bobby Richardson lines the ball into left field for a single scoring Stalin and McDougal and another record and goes to the darling of the crowd Bobby Richardson Richardson on first, two outs. Hold him on, and they throw him out away. Bobby goes on to second. Bobby, on behalf of the 1966 Yankee teammates, I think I can say that each one of us is a little richer for having played with you. Congratulations.
with a runner on third base. The infield is pulled in for this crucial game of the World Series. The ball is hit to Richardson's left. He fields the ball. Turns to hold the runner on third and then underhands the ball to Pepitone. In game six of the series, with the Yankees leading 4-0, Bobby Richardson pulls a long drive to left field. It sails over the head of Gino Samoli, and it's in there for a triple. Vera and Blanchard tally to make it 11 runs batted in for Richardson in the series. Now, here's the series hero with RBIs, 12 of them, Bobby Richardson. That's an all-time World Series RBI record. The final game of the 1962 World Series. The series is all tied up, three apiece. Yankees ahead by one run. But San Francisco has Matty Alou on third and Willie Mays on second. Two out in the last of the ninth inning, and big Willie McCovey stepping to the plate. A single will give the game to the Giants. McCovey hits a sinking liner just one step to Richardson's left. The game is over. The Yankees win and reign as world champs of 1962. And in closing, I can only say, as Mickey Mantle has said, as Lou Gehrig has said, how lucky it has been for me to have been a Yankee. To God be the glory. Thank you very much. Well, Dad was very fortunate. Played at a good time on a good team. The first nine years he played, they won the World, They were in the pennant eight times. They only won the World Series three times while he was there. But many teams wish they had won the, the series for three times in their whole history. Uh, he, he was blessed to be an eight-time All-Star. Five times he was Gold Glove Award winner. He's the only person to win the World Series MVP on a losing team. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates lost in, uh, they lost to the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1960, um, but Dad had a good series and he won the MVP. But did you notice what he said right at the last? To God be the glory. And I believe that's what his life has been all about. He certainly has, been, has not been perfect, but he's a gracious man, he's a servant, and he has sought to live for God and to give him the honor and glory. Reminds me of a verse which is probably pretty familiar for most of us, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. When we think about our lives, when we think about how we live our lives, should we not do all to the glory of God? What I'm going to do is just use three of his favorite verses as we look at, at uh, the, the sermon today. The first one is Matthew 6.33. When dad was younger, 17 or 18 or so, he was playing class D ball. Oh no, I think it might have been class B ball. And uh, you didn't know that they had class B, C, and D back then. Probably Al did and a couple of the older people did. Uh, but 
But they, he, he was uh, well, well down on the totem pole, so to speak, and he wasn't doing very well. And his high school coach, Conley Alexander, sent him a verse, a letter with a verse in it. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It was an encouragement to my dad, and he sought to live according to that verse, I believe. Matthew 6.33 is a great verse. Don't we need to have conviction? A conviction that we live our lives for God. We have different priorities. Many of us focus on other things. There, there are some people that do focus on fame and, and athletic uh, success and so on. There's some that, that focus on power. There's some, some that focus on money, on trying to have as much money or make as much money as they can. But Jesus made it clear in Matthew 6 that the most important thing is not our material goods. The most important thing is not earthly, but it's heavenly. And we need to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 said the same thing. He indicated that we need to seek those things which are above. Set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. But isn't it easy to get so caught up in what's going on around us that we neglect our relationship with God and focus on things in the world? Now, there's certain things that we definitely need to do. I mean, God's Word says we need to, to work. If we don't work, then we don't eat. I used to use that on my kids sometime when they wouldn't do their chores. Uh, we, we need to make sure that, that we take care of some of these things. I mean, I am sure glad that, that my wife has cooked down through the years. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that she has washed dishes and things of that nature. I, I'm grateful for the fact that all of us need to, to do different things. You have a baby changing diapers. Uh, my, my brother is, is 10 years younger than I. He's 53 years old, got married six years ago. Uh, he has three kids now. And I think I remember mom telling me not too long ago about a diaper he changed. It was really a significant diaper. He didn't have to do that for many years. But things like that have to be done. But those aren't the most important things. We need to make sure that our priority is the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So number one verse, Matthew 6, 33. And the word is conviction. A conviction that the most important thing has to do with our relationship with Jesus Christ and living for him. Well, another verse that he used a lot, and he would sign it when he would uh, sign autographs of balls and pictures and so on. He would use Romans 1, 16. Paul was talking to the church at Rome, and he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. And dad was not ashamed. Uh, it took courage, did it not, to speak up in times when people around were making fun of him and making fun of his religion. I've told y'all before that when I was in middle school, my nickname was Reverend Ronald McDonald. As a 12-year-old, as a that was not fun to have people call me that. But it does take courage to stand up for what is right. It takes courage uh, to, to share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul's perspective was that he was not ashamed, that he was going to communicate the good news about Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you don't know that, that, that I'm on the back cover of a book. Mickey Mantle, back in the mid-60s, wrote a book called Courage to Conquer. And I was in the clubhouse uh, when, when the, they were looking for a picture for the back of the book, and they said, why don't we get him? And they took me out to the field, and I'm running beside Mickey Mantle. They took my picture. They called me Roy, 
instead of Ron. I think it's because I thought I was Roy Rogers back then. <laughs> but it was a situation where he wrote that book, Courage to Conquer. And Mickey Mantle, when he played baseball, he had to be wrapped both of his legs from his ankle all the way up to his thighs because he had injuries. And yet he had the courage to keep on keeping on. That has to do with athletics. It has to do with doing what it takes. Uh, but what we need to do is recognize that it's important for us to have the courage to stand up for what is right, to do what is right, and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not an easy thing to do sometimes, but courage is extremely important. Conviction number one, number two, courage. And then number three, another verse that he used, John 1:12, has to do with conversion, has to do with trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. I mentioned it at the beginning of the sermon, John 1:12, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God, even to them who believe on his name. And if we're going to glorify God, not only do we need conviction to put Christ first, not only do we need courage to live for him and to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but we need to be converted. We need to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. Dad had the opportunity to help start Baseball Chapel. All the major league teams and minor league teams have a chapel service before the services on, on Sundays. And one of the first ones was his, playing for the Yankees in 1966, his last day. Uh, he, he played uh, a Yankee, I think it was October 2nd, 1966. And all the players came out, coaches and, and others came as well. And they had heard him speak before, so he got another guy to speak, a guy named Billy Zioli. Uh, Alan Sharon, remember him. Uh, he was a unique individual. He was from Michigan, and he was definitely a northerner. Uh, he, he definitely had an interesting personality, and he was a great speaker. And he shared the gospel that day. He, he talked about three things. Number one, that man has a problem, and that problem is sin. Isn't that true? I mean, man does have a problem. That problem is sin. We look around us, and in fact, we look in the mirror. We recognize that so many of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what it says in Romans 3.23. And the reality is that all of us fail. All of us mess up. But the, 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 the news gets worse. Not only have we all sinned, but in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. That has to do with eternal separation from God. So if we've all sinned and the wages of sin is death, then none of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve to spend eternity with God. That is a problem indeed. But fortunately, it doesn't stop there. Man has a problem, Billy Zioli shared. But number two, he went on to say that God has an answer. He has an answer to the problem of sin in the person of Jesus Christ. Paul put it well when he, when he wrote to the Romans in Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God commended, God showed his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what the gospel is, that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, and we need to recognize that that's the answer to the problem of sin. Now, a lot of religions get it wrong. They think good works will get you to heaven. In fact, many that preach and go to church, that's what they think as well. As long as we are good, we do more good than bad, then we'll spend eternity in heaven. But God's word is clear in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, when it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, 
lest any man should boast. There's no way that we can be good enough to go to heaven because God's standard is perfection. God's standard is Jesus Christ and his character. So none of us deserve to spend eternity with God. But God let Jesus die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we can have everlasting life. I think that the third fact is this. Man has a problem. God has an answer. But man must make a decision. We either need to say yes or no to Jesus Christ. You know, uh, when, when, when Billy Zioli was sharing that, he, he gave another option. You can say maybe to Jesus Christ as well. You can either say yes and trust him as your savior, ask him into your life. You can say no, reject him. Or you can say maybe, maybe I'll do it one of these days. But the problem is, do you know that you're going to have one of these days? How many of you know when you're going to die? I guess the only way that you can know that is by committing suicide, and that's not a good idea. But the reality is that if we say maybe, and we die without saying yes, then in reality, we have said no. So really, there are only two things you can do with Jesus Christ. You can say yes, or you can say no. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever says yes and believes and trusts and depends on Jesus Christ as Savior because he died on the cross, we have everlasting life. But John chapter 3 and verse 7 and 18 go on to say that if we say yes, if we believe, we have everlasting life. But if we don't say yes, then the wrath of God abides on us. In other words, we spend eternity separated from God. Romans 10, 13 says this, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that an encouraging verse? It's not a matter of being good enough, and it's not a matter of intellectually believing about Jesus Christ, that he was the Son of God and died on the cross. A lot of people in America have done that that aren't saved. They believe intellectually. But it says here, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That has to do with the decision. It has to do with making a choice to depend on Jesus Christ to save us because of what he did on the cross. And I guess the question is, what have we done with Jesus Christ? Have we said yes to him? We're going to show another video this time of dad speaking, and it, it sort of shares his perspective of the gospel. And then we'll finish up after that. Thrills, I guess I've had more than my share. Ten and a half years as a New York Yankee, privilege of playing in eight World Series, the honor of being selected to participate in seven All-Star games. These are thrills that very few fellows can share. And now they exist only in my memory and in my scrapbook. The greatest thrill that I've experienced is one that can be experienced by everyone, no matter who they are or what they do. And it becomes more exciting each day. The thrill of knowing that Jesus Christ is alive, that he stands ready to become your Savior and Lord. The Bible says Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Baseball has been very good to me. It's provided my family and me with the good things of life. But even before I entered professional baseball, I had discovered the real meaning of life. Not life just here and now, but eternal life in the person of God's Son, 
knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and experiencing His presence in my life every day is the one thrill that really matters, both now and for eternity. Have you entered into this experience? Do you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life? You should. There's no greater thrill. I was there when they filmed that in 1967, and I was thinking, why are they driving a car onto the field? And when they, when that dad tried to get in, it was it was uh, bu bucket seats, and so mom couldn't slip over. She was expecting uh, Rich, my youngest son at that time. She couldn't slip over, so he had to go around and ride. He normally drives. He doesn't normally drive. But did you notice that he talked about the most important thing to him, relationship with Jesus Christ? Quite often he uses a poem called God's Hall of Fame. I'm not going to quote it today, but basically he, he ends up by saying, I'd rather be in God's Hall of Fame than have all the honors and so on down here on earth. And, and that is so true. The honors here on earth last for a little while. But God's Hall of Fame is for eternity. And I guess the question is, do we have that relationship with Jesus Christ? If we're going to glorify God, we need to have conviction determine that we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We need to have courage, the courage to live for God, the courage to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also need to experience conversion. In other words, we need to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Man does have a problem. The problem is sin. God has an answer, Jesus Christ. And we've got to make a decision. It's either a matter of saying yes to Jesus Christ and trusting him as our Savior, or it's a matter of of saying no to him and rejecting him. I guess the big question that all of us need to ask ourselves is this. What have I done with Jesus Christ? Have I said yes or have I said no? We're going to sing after I pray uh, a, a little song called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Probably you're familiar with it. But the question is, have you decided to follow Jesus? You know, if, if, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the most important decision that you can make. And I encourage you to do that today. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, then perhaps what you need to do is you need to say, I am going to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For some of you, it's a matter of being baptized. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is symbolic of the fact that you've been saved, that Jesus died for you. He was buried. He rose again from the dead. And we too want to, to express our faith in him and what he did on the cross and express our conviction, our commitment to live for him, uh, dying to sin and self and walking in the newness of life. So if you've been saved and you haven't been baptized, that might be something that you want to to do. I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk to you about that. You might want to join Catawba Baptist Church. We require, of course, that you're saved and that you've been baptized by immersion, uh, but that might be something that you've been thinking about doing, but you never have had opportunity to do. Probably many of you need to get involved in a life group. 
the, the, the small group experience, doing life together, studying God's word together, praying together, playing together, talking together, encouraging one another. That's a very important part of what Christianity is all about. And if you're not going to a Sunday school life group, you're not involved in a life group, uh, I would love for you to talk to me, to, to Chris Bragg, who's the singer up here on the way left, or one of the staff members, or, or, or somebody else about getting involved in a life group. And uh, I would encourage you to, to do that. Uh, don't wait till the fall. Go ahead and do it during the summer. And then one other thing would be making a decision to do what it takes to serve him. There's nothing more important. We get busy with so many other things, but serving God is what it's all about. We, we think about the Lord Jesus Christ. That was what he was all about. If we're going to be like him, then we are going to serve. So the invitation is, if you haven't done so, to trust Jesus Christ as Savior, to follow him as Lord, to be baptized, to join the church, to be involved in a life group, to do what it takes to serve him. And I guess the question is, what is your next step? Two questions. What have I done with Jesus Christ? Have I trusted him as Savior and as Lord? And number two, what is the next step that God wants me to take, you to take? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for Dad's life and the way that he has sought to live for you. I thank you for his conviction, for his courage, uh, for the fact that he's trusted Christ as his Savior, his conversion. And I thank you, too, that we can, no matter what field we're in, can have the same conviction, the same courage. We can be converted, uh, recognizing our sin and relying on Jesus Christ to save us and to give us everlasting life. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here that has not done so, I pray that they will call on your name to be saved because whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, turning from sin. And Lord, I pray that you will help each one of us to take the next step and to be able to truthfully sing this, this little hymn that we're about to sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name, amen.